Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Friday morning. Happy Friday to you all out there. It is March the 18th, 2022, 7.02 on your Tucson Friday. And we are live here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Just a quick one-hour show for you today before we uh, get out of the way for Madness Day 2. As Westwood One's coverage here on ESPN Tucson will continue with day two coverage of all of the March Madness that's going to be happening today, sixteen games on the docket. Um, starting off the starting off the morning, we got a pretty good one. Loyola Chicago versus Ohio State. That game's going to tip off at a, just a little after nine o'clock, uh, the local time, and uh, it's, it's a game where the ten seed is favored over the seven seed. It, it, it happens from time to time. It doesn't happen all that often, but uh, it does happen from time to time and. Right now, Loyal Chicago is a, is a real darling in that particular matchup, and a lot of people have picked them to upset Ohio State in this game, so that should be interesting to see if, if uh, E.J. Liddell has anything to say about that. That's uh, Ohio State's spectacular big man that they got on uh, on their team. Uh, following the Loyal Chicago game uh, versus Ohio State will be Auburn, the number two seed. <clears throat> Pardon me. The, uh, the number two seed in the Midwest region. They'll be tipping off uh, at about 940 a.m. this morning against Jacksonville State. We'll see the uh, the very talented and long Auburn Tigers and see if they can uh, they can make a run in this tournament as well because they'll be the first two seed to tip it off since yesterday's gigantic upset that has got the entire world buzzing as the Kentucky Wildcats, a favorite by many, including, listen, the all-knowing Dick Vitale. Uh, I mean, if, if anyone knows their college basketball it's dick vital right i mean we all we all agree on this right it's it's that dick vital is the uh, you know he's the spokesperson for college basketball in the country i mean he's he's the king he's the he's the beacon he's the icon he's the man just ask him he had uh, kentucky versus iowa for the championship and uh, you know thankfully not all of us have the uh, the foresight that Dick Vitale has to pick two teams that were massive, massive upsets yesterday to win the national championship. Bravo, Dick. Bravo. There were some upsets yesterday, and, I, you know, look, everybody's bracket. I was just talking with Mary, you know, because she asked me, she goes, you know, how many, how many perfect brackets there are. According to the NCAA, uh, this report just came out that there are still 192 brackets, 192 perfect brackets still intact today, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's 192 people that picked St. P- St. Peter's to beat Kentucky in the first round of the tournament. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy because, you know, last year we, we, we forget year to year just how bad or, you know, we have short memories and things like that. A lot of things happen between, you know, now and then and, so it's understandable uh, that that we you know that we may forget things that happened. But last year's bracket was an absolute bleep show. Like it was it was it was chaos in day one all over the place. 
And uh, the NCAA reported that only 121 perfect brackets existed after day one last year. So we're on pace for a much better year for a perfect bracket potential, even after Kentucky has uh, lost in the first round to a 15 seed. To a team in St. Peter's whose entire yearly basketball budget for the entire team, for the entire season, is less than what John Calipari makes on his salary. (laughs) You love to see it. Uh, you know, this is what this is this is what March is all about, right? This is why we play this tournament. This is what we love about this tournament. And of course, it's great when it happens to somebody else, and it really sucks when it happens to you, Wildcat fans. We know very well what that feels like. Arizona has lost as a as a two seed to a fifteen seed before. Arizona has lost as a three seed to a fourteen seed. It sucks. <laughs> we all remember today. Arizona will get to play as a one seed, though, against Wright State, against the 16th seed. And yesterday, Gonzaga got a little bit of a scare from Georgia State. Georgia State was pretty game for the uh, for the contest yesterday. And, you know, the three number one seed, three of the four number one seeds played yesterday, obviously. Two of them, Baylor and Kansas, had zero problem dispatching of their opponents. But Gonzaga, uh, you know, they were, they were losing, you know, for a, a large portion of that game yesterday. And... I'll, I'll tell you this. <clears throat> Pardon me. It uh, it sends a message, and it, this is why another reason why I loved the fact that Arizona was playing on Friday, an inexperienced team playing with a lot of confidence, and now having to play on Friday in the tournament was was great for Arizona for a lot of reasons. And this is just another one of those reasons, and it was glaring yesterday. The fact that no matter how good you are, what you know, how low that number next to your team name is, what your Ken Palm ranking is, what your net ranking is, what your AP ranking is, doesn't matter. That team that's going to be going against you for those 40 minutes wants your soul. Like, they want it bad. And you got to protect it at all costs. And Gonzaga got a scare yesterday. I mean, that was pucker factor 11 for Gonzaga for about 32 minutes. Final eight minutes, they got their bleep together and were able to kind of, you know, put Georgia State away in the final few minutes. The game ended up winning by, what, a 19 or 20, I think it was the final there. But uh, regardless, it's not the final score that matters. It's how they got there. And that was a battle. That was an absolute battle. And it sends a message, hopefully it sends a message, to the likes of teams like Arizona, who have very young, inexperienced players playing with a lot of confidence, who may be of the, the belief that they can just roll the ball out onto that court and win the game by 40. That doesn't happen. This is, you know, this is a, a field of 64 out of 355. There's some pretty damn good basketball players out there and some real damn good basketball coaches out there. Just ask John Calipari how he's feeling about the St. Peter's head coach this morning. You know, I mean, there's there's plenty of opportunity to to stumble, stub your toe, and end up on the losing side of the uh, of you know of the of the scoreboard. UCLA was at pucker factor eleven for pretty much the entire game last night in their game against Akron, which was just an. I mean, I commented on on Twitter that was the rock fight of all rock fights. You know, talking about rock fights yesterday and just how it's just a grueling possession after possession type of game, and that's exactly what that game was. That it was. There were, you know, several minutes that would go through, you know, where just teams would just have 
bad shots in the, on offense or, uh, you know, weird ball bounces and things like that. It was, it was one of those games. UCLA survives. The Pac-12 uh, has a team advance on. Uh, USC will be playing Miami later today. And, of course, Arizona. Those are your three Pac-12 teams. But, you know, I feel like there was <clears throat> plenty, of, plenty of, of examples for the University of Arizona coaching staff to take to their players last night, again, this morning, you know, and today before their, show, before their, before their uh, game today, that they can, you know, make an example of. Say, look, don't be, don't be Kentucky. Don't be UConn, who got just beat from beginning to end by New Mexico State, and that's that's a that upset was hugely surprising. Like I didn't see that coming at all. UConn was a team that I was like, you know, I, I, maybe maybe they can beat Gonzaga. You know, I mean that's that's a good enough team. UConn beat some really good teams this year. Nope, couldn't get past New Mexico State. Couldn't score, <laughs> which is crazy. So I did a little research this morning, uh, you know, into just kind of looking at maybe some of the similarities of the teams that lost yesterday. So of of the of the high seeds that lost yesterday, I mean, I'm talking about top six, top seven seeds, people who lost, teams who lost to a, a double digit uh, opponent, right? Here are their defensive ratings, the the the, the Ken Pomeroy defensive ratings of those teams that lost yesterday. UConn, as I just mentioned, they were the five seed. They were the 43rd rated defense in Ken Pomeroy. Okay? Kentucky was the 35th rated defense in Ken Pomeroy. They lost. Iowa, a five seed. Just, I mean, I mean, Richmond completely controlled that game. And Iowa, their, their defense was <laughs> suspect, to say the least, the entire season. Their Ken Palm ranking in defense was 74. Colorado State, who it was a it was an interesting game with Michigan and Colorado State. Um, that was that, and that was a good one. That was the, one, of, you know, one of the early games yesterday. Uh, it turned out to be a pretty good game. Michigan is. I'll say this: Colorado State did not play well. Michigan State barely won that game. Uh, Michigan State or Michigan is just not. They're not a very good basketball team. They're ju- they're just not. They don't have a point guard. <clears throat> they can't get consistent scoring from their wings. Uh, you know, down low, they're slow and deliberate. Uh, yeah, and that team beat Colorado State. Uh, oh, by the way, Colorado State's defensive rating, ranking in the Ken Palm was 91 going into that game. So there's a there's a similarity there. All those teams were ranked 35, 35th or worse in the, in the Ken Palm Roy defensive ranking. So I took a look at today's teams that could be Maybe you should take note of some of these things that occurred yesterday. These are seeds who teams will be playing a double-digit seed today with a less-than-admirable defense. Number six seed Alabama has Ken Pomeroy's 94th-ranked defense. I would consider them to be on, on absolute alert today. Number seven, Michigan State. Surprisingly enough, a, a Tom Izzo team that struggles defensively. They're 58th, <clears throat> pardon me, 58th in the country in defensive uh, rating. Duke, the number two seed, you know, as, as great as the national media would like you to think that their defense is, it's 42nd in the Ken Palm rankings right there with UConn. Purdue, a team that I have in the Final Four because they are just such a unique matchup for teams with 
how fast their guards are, how quickly they score, how well they shoot. They have a seven foot four guy coming off the bench. I mean, it's that can actually play. Their defensive rating is 102. So take note, Purdue, who's going to be playing Yale today, who is about as buttoned up a team as you can imagine. And, you know, they're Ivy League kids, so they're going to pay attention in, uh, in, in film study. Seven seed Ohio State, who's going to lead off the 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 uh, broadcast today in their game against uh, in their game against uh, um, Loyola Chicago. Ohio State one hundred thirty two in Ken Palm defensive rating, one hundred and thirty two. How'd they get in? Wisconsin thirty ninth in defensive rating. USC forty eighth in defensive rating. All those teams had better take note of what happened yesterday. Because if you didn't have a top 30 defense in the uh, in the tournament yesterday, you weren't getting through. This wasn't going to happen. Now, it also helps to back that up with a good offense because 11 uh, te- teams who had top 40 offenses in Ken, P- Ken Palm rankings went 11-6 and six yesterday, but 11-6, and six, like six losses. Iowa, Kentucky, both lost. UConn was a top 40. Uh, they lost. Colorado State, Vermont, South Dakota State, all lost. All teams with top 40 offensive ratings. So don't be just like, oh, well, you know, they, they lost to teams with, with great offenses. Sure, I mean, there's, there's some, you know, some good offenses out there, but it's not like top 40 offenses went 14-2 and two yesterday. <laughs> they didn't. I mean, 11-6 and six in their first-round games, not, that's, that's not, uh, it's not the, the overwhelming – you know, record that you would expect. Now, I thought the interesting thing was in looking at Ken Palm, you know, if, you, if you're able to sort things, you know, defensively, offensively, stuff like that, like a lot of the highly ranked rated teams in Ken Palm play today. Like you look at, if you look at some of the top, let's say, offensive teams, they haven't even played yet. You know, Purdue, Arizona, Duke, Villanova, Houston, Bama, Ohio State, uh, Virginia Tech, Miami, uh, Illinois, Auburn, they haven't they haven't even played yet. So a lot of the top offensive teams have even yet to play in this tournament. So it'll be interesting to see. And and defensively too for that matter. I mean there's you know some of the best the you know the best defensive team in the country, Texas Tech, they play today. LSU plays today without a head coach. Auburn, they're a very highly rated defensive team. You know, they haven't played yet. They're they're a top ten defense. And of course we got Arizona with the number eighteen ranked defense. They're sitting there they're waiting to play still as well. So still some really, really good teams today that could either support this data that I've compiled over after the first day of, of games, or it could refute it. So we'll see. And, of course, we'll have full report for you on Monday. We'll have a full show on Monday, full two-hour show on Monday, and there's going to be a lot to, to digest after a weekend of, of, uh, of tournament action. You know, Arizona will have played, most likely, will have played two games. Uh, by the time we take to the airwaves on uh, on on Monday, you know they'll probably get through Wright State. I, I believe that they will win that basketball game, even if they do struggle a little bit here and there. Wright State could you know potentially offer some matchup issues. They've got a dynamic score, could be an issue for for Arizona for a little while, but eventually they will win that basketball game, and then they'll play the winner of the Seton Hall TCU game. Now, if you're wondering when they play, <clears throat> let's take a look here. Seton Hall, TCU. Oh, yeah, all the way at the end of the night. (laughs) So we're going to have to wait to the end of the night 
because those teams don't tip off until 7 p.m. Uh, TCU and Seton Hall. That is the late, late game uh, tonight, the latest of the late games. Some of the other late slates tonight, uh, UAB Houston should be a good one. I like UAB a lot. I, I just feel like, you know, Houston's a weird team. Like, they, you look at their resume. If you just look at their resume, just their wins and losses, the scores of their games, you're like, you're not so impressed. The metrics love Houston. Like, the nerds and the computers just think Houston is the bee's knees. So they're an interesting group, and UAB is a really tough draw for them. UAB is going to present them a lot with, with a lot of issues. So I think that's going to be a, a must-watch game. Obviously, that game will tip off two hours after Arizona tips off. So hopefully Arizona's game will be in hand, and uh, you can switch over that Houston-UAB game. We can take that in. Then we got Davidson, Michigan State, Colgate, Wisconsin, and as I mentioned, TCU, Seton Hall rounding out the, uh, the, t- the tournament today, and then a whole bunch of fun in between. You know, the, the uh, Purdue-Yale game could be interesting. I, I think that's the, Yale's going to present a bit of an issue for, for Purdue in certain aspects. Villanova is going to take to the floor tonight. You never know what's going to happen with Villanova. You never know what's going to happen with Alabama. <laughs> I mean, we, we've seen Alabama beat some of the best teams in the country and lose some of the most confounding games. It's like, well, how do you lose to Ole Miss at home? So, there's there's definitely some interesting games today, and, and day two of, of the tournament is going to offer more surprises, more drama. There were three overtime games yesterday, just like we love it. And and my favorite moment of yesterday, of, of all the moments, and this is just, you don't get this in professional sports. You just don't. There was, in the in the Indiana game, um, they got trounced by St. Mary's. St. Mary's coach, look, Randy was very very nice uh, on the on the his post game uh, press conference in talking about Indiana and he said you know basically like look he goes I give those coaches all the credit in the world that's a really good basketball team they didn't have any time to prepare for us uh, listen Randy there's, there's a lot of a lot of teams that don't have time to prepare for for their opponent that don't get beat by thirty so that was nice of you to say that but holy smokes Indiana did not show up for that game St Mary's just had their way up and down the floor. Uh, but in that game, a ball got lodged up, like up in above the backboard, behind the uh, behind the shot clock, and nobody could get to it. And they were like, they pulled out like a folding chair, and they were going to put the St. Mary's seven footer on the on the chair. And the, even the commentators were like, I don't like this. Like this is a bad idea. You don't put seven footers on chairs on a, you know, on a wooden floor. Like you just, <laughs> it's a bad, bad idea. Turns out he couldn't have reached it anyways. So they're getting broomsticks out, and they're trying to, you know, throw the broom. And they're like, no, no. And all of a sudden, here to the rescue, here comes the Indiana cheerleaders, a, a male cheater, cheerleader and a female cheerleader. He, the best part about it was, you know, he, he picks her up, puts her on his shoulders, right? And she, like, points, like, onward, you know, like, let's go. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and he walks her over to the backboard. Does the thing where I, you know, I'm sure there's a name for it. Grabs her by the, you know, by the heels and pushes her up into the air, where she easily reaches up, grabs the basketball, tosses it to the ground, and the crowd went wild. The crowd went berserk. Even the announcers went berserk. If you haven't, if if you've only like seen the video of it, but you haven't heard the live broadcast version of it from the from the television broadcast, find it. 
It's on, you know, it's on all like the all the awful announcing websites and stuff like that and their Twitter account. It is fantastic. <laughs> and that's you don't get that in professional sports. These are just little moments, little things like this that make collegiate sports is it's the reason reason why I love college athletics more than I, I have a love for pro sports. I just little things like that. Those two will remember that moment the rest of their lives. And they'll have a video accounting of it and all kinds of fun memes and tweets and stories and Instagram posts. and all. They'll have tons of references to that moment in their life, their one shining moment. And I guarantee that's going to be in the montage after Arizona cuts down the nets this year. In the one shining moment, they're going to be reliving the tournament and you know everything that happened this year. You're going to see. That IU cheerleader reaching up to grab the basketball and drop it to the ground heroically. But still, my favorite part of it was when he put her on his shoulders and she just, like, pointed forward, like, go that way. <laughs> you, can't, you, you can't script stuff like that. You can't buy it. And pro sports don't have it. And uh, that's what I love about collegiate athletics. That was the moment of the day yesterday. Aside from all of the great, the great action, that was the moment for me. Um, if you'd like to share what your moment was in day one of the tournament, I'm sure many of you are loving the fact that Kentucky was beat. Sure. How are your brackets looking? You can tweet me at UAZ Voice. I lost three of my Sweet 16 teams yesterday. Not optimal. I lost one Elite Eight team. I had Iowa going to the Elite Eight. What the hell was I thinking? That's just matchups. I was like, ah, you know, they'll beat South Dakota State, of course. Providence wins that game. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll beat South Dakota State. They'll beat Kansas. No, they won't. No. <laughs> Not with the 75th ranked defense in the country. But uh, the my final four is still intact, and seven of my eight Elite Eight are still intact. And several of them played yesterday. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Tennessee looked really, really good. Granted, it was against Shortwood yesterday, or uh, Longwood. Sorry, I, was, I kept calling them Shortwood because they were the shortest team in the tournament, ironically. They got a matchup with, with uh, Michigan. We know the second-round matchup, Gonzaga versus Memphis. Could be interesting. Memphis got great athletes. Could be good. It's not like Gonzaga is going to be able to bully them with their athleticism. Baylor, North Carolina is going to be an epic throwdown. That'll be a good one. St. Mary's, UCLA, two teams that know each other quite well. That'll be a good one. And then you got that interesting Kansas Creighton matchup that's already been decided. Or already been, you know, uh, you know, the, the matchup has already been decided at least. That could be interesting. Kansas Creighton. Creighton, very good defensive team. Kansas has been suspect this year against teams that can match them, uh, you know, at least height, you know, inch for inch, essentially, uh, especially under the basket and on the board. So could be an interesting matchup there. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, I, I, just a huge deal in the NFL that took everyone, and I mean everyone, by surprise yesterday. That's next on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, you know, we've been talking about this the last week or so. Aaron Rodgers wants to be the highest paid quarterback of all time. He feels like he's earned it. I, I'm not one to say that he hasn't. He, I've never seen anybody throw a football like Aaron Rodgers. He's the best thrower of a football I've ever seen in my entire life. 
Devontae Adams wanted to be the highest-paid wide receiver, the highest-paid player at his position in the NFL, wanted better than DeAndre Hopkins' money. He got it. However, they will not be playing with one another on the football field this year because yesterday a blockbuster trade – well, I shouldn't say a blockbuster trade. It was really a one-sided trade, in my opinion, that uh, the Green Bay Packers shipped DeFonte Adams off to Las Vegas to be a member of the Raiders and to play with Derek Carr and that team that they're, they're assembling there in Las Vegas. And the AFC West just continues to get more and more ridiculous. But nonetheless, Devontae Adams signs a five-year contract, averaging about $28.5 million per season, which does definitely make him the highest-paid wide receiver in the league, with $67.5 million fully guaranteed. All of this for this year's first-round and second-round picks coming from the Raiders to the Packers. Now, the Packers have four picks in the first 60 uh, picks of this draft. Hopefully they really like what they see in this draft because that's what they're going to have to build their team around. But I want to say this. <clears throat> you know, As I've mentioned several times on this show in regards to just specifically these two, just because they've been in the news most recently in, in this particular vein of wanting to be the highest paid at their position, I have said that it won't work. I've said all along that it won't work. You can't have the highest-paid quarterback and the highest-paid wide receiver on the same roster. It's just not going to happen. And the Green Bay Packers obviously knew this. They realized this well. However, those other two didn't realize it, and they just kept demanding more, demanding more, demanding more. I will say this. I hope they enjoy their money. I hope Aaron Rodgers has a wonderful plan for his $150 million that he has now negotiated because he will not be playing for a championship in any of those three seasons because he has completely strapped his team of capital in the in the salary cap era. They can't do it. They gave him the, his money. They gave him what they wanted or what he wanted, and he now no longer has any gripe. He has zero gripe about anything that happens with that organization. He demanded it. They gave it to him. He's been demanding a lot of things, and they've been acquiescing here and there in certain you know they they went out and got Randall Cobb for him. He wanted them to sign Randall Cobb. They got, they got Randall Cobb. What do you have? Thirty-one catches last year. Completely disappeared in the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. Good call. Aaron Rodgers wants to be the highest-paid player. I need to be paid, uh, you know, fifty million a year. Okay. Here's your fifty million a year. Enjoy it. Because you won't be you won't be making deep playoff runs as long as you're making fifty million dollars a year in the league. Not unless the salary cap balloons to $300 million a year, which it's going to take a decade to probably get there or so. It's at 208 now. It'll probably be about 212 next year. It'll go up, you know, three, four million a year, maybe <clears throat> over, the next, over the next decade or so. So it's going to be a while before it gets anywhere near 300 million, which is what it would take to be able to field a really talented team of great players when you have a quarterback making $50 million a year. So I hope he enjoys his money. And I hope Devontae Adams enjoys his status of being the highest paid wide receiver in the league. Because now he's going to be catching balls from Derek Carr, who is probably considered the fourth best quarterback in his division. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. But the fourth best quarterback in his division now, uh, you know, according to many experts out there, GMs and scouts and stuff, I mean, you got Mahomes, Herbert, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. So I hope they enjoy their money. I, that's, that's all I'm going to say because 
now they've gotten paid. They're on their teams, and they're going to be you know in that situation for for a little while at least, unless one of them d- decides to retire or uh, you know something else. But uh, Devontae Adams at age 29, now the highest paid wide receiver in the history of the NFL, making about $28.5 million a year. I don't know where the Raiders got this money from. I know they had some money uh, before the season began, but they signed Chandler Jones to a big, fat deal. Now they've got Devontae Adams for a ton of money. Trading draft capital? Okay. So the, uh, the, two, you know, the two that demanded their money got paid. They got what they wanted. They got their money. They will not have a ring to show for it, though. Because I don't see, I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot of people predicting the Las Vegas Raiders to to win the AFC West, let alone win the AFC conference title and then win a Super Bowl. Like I don't have, I don't think many people are picking that. And if you think that right now, that today, that Green Bay is still the favorite to win the NFC, you're sadly mistaken. Sadly mistaken. Who's Aaron Rodgers going to throw the football to right now? He's got Mercedes Lewis, who he doesn't trust anymore. Who's 90 years old. Uh, Valdez Scantling has not re-signed with the team. Randall Cobb is old, aging, and a a busted commodity. Okay, good luck. Hope you enjoy your money. That's all I can say. There's a lot to be said about players who want to play with great players around them and players who only want to cash in for as much as they possibly can while they can. Again, we would all do the same thing. If we had an opportunity to be the highest paid at whatever job that we do and only be able to do it for three, four years, we would do it. Because, you know, in our lives, it doesn't matter what our teammates are getting paid. We don't we don't have, you know, head-to-head performances for big money in that, in that sense. I mean, you know, certain corporate areas and stuff, you know, bidding and, you know, being the better company will get your company more money, which gives you more money and yada, yada, yada. But... In in this grand scale of, of things that we're looking at, we don't have that instant success, that instant gratification. It's certainly not on display for hundreds of millions of people to see. There's just something to be said about players who will take less to play with more and then the difference between them who only want to take, take, take as much as they possibly can without regard to anything else around them. Individual success over team success, you know, all those things. We see it. We see through it. We get it. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, I will start to uh, scout and and break down, essentially, Arizona's matchup today against Wright State. The Wildcats in action today. That game will tip off at about 4.30, so uh, be ready for that. I'll have a full preview of the game next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, welcome back. Today's Friday edition, just a shortened edition of the Jeff Dean Show. And uh, what a preview of the game today as Arizona is going to be taking on Wright State that game is tipping off officially at 4:27 Tucson time, and uh, that game, of course, will be uh, will be broadcast on. Uh, I believe it's True TV. Let's see here. Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> yes, True TV is where it's going to be. So uh, um, enjoy some impractical jokers, and then uh, the Arizona game. <clears throat> now, what do we get 
from Wright State. The good thing is a lot of us got to see them because they got a play-in game, right? So fans are, are somewhat familiar with what they do. Certainly their, their go-to everything guard, uh, Tanner Holden, he's gonna, he wears number two. Um, you'll see him. He has the ball a lot, and he attacks the rim with ferocity and tenacity, and that's what that's what Wright State does. I mean, they are just an attack the rim. They don't shoot a lot of jump shots. They don't shoot a lot of three-pointers. Uh, they're not very good at shooting three-pointers, so it's a good thing that they, they stay in their lane. They know their roles. Their job is to get the opposing team in foul trouble and be efficient at the free throw line, and that's what they have done all season long. I mean, they they are, in in terms of, like the amount of scoring that they get from the free throw line, like their point distribution, uh, their point distribution, they're top. They're like a top 100 team. I think they're top. I think they're like 106 or something like that in scoring from the free throw line. Essentially, the percentage of their points coming from the free throw line, which is which is you know it's pretty good. Um, again, they're not a three point shooting team. They're one of the the lowest rated three point shooting teams in the entire country. Um, so they're not going to, you know, they're not going to try to shoot over the top of Arizona, which is, I think it's a good thing. I mean, this will be a good challenge for Arizona. It's going to keep them on their on their toes defensively because a lot of times, pardon me, when you play a three point shooting team, the tendency on defense is to get complacent. You're like, oh, I'm just going to hang back. This guy ain't going to shoot the ball from 30 feet away, and all of a sudden he's shooting the ball from 30 feet away. And you're like, okay, now I got to move up a little bit. In, in when you play a team like this that's just in attack mode all the time, they're swirling, they're attacking, they run ball screens. I mean, they, you know, they're, this is a, this is the type of matchup that's going to keep you active on defense, and that's a good thing. It'll keep your your mind focused uh, at, at all times. Let's hope at least they're not a team that really is going to create a ton on defense. Like they're not going to try to turn Arizona over. Um, they'll just they're just going to play solid trap style defense. They're not a team that that in get, you know gets a lot of steals. They don't put their hands in passing lanes. They just go, they play good solid defense. They double the post. Um, they limit teams' assists in the game. Like I think they're they might be they're a top ten. I want to say. Um, I think in in as far as like you know they're they're like turning the ball over without stealing the ball. So offensive fouls that kind of stuff. However. <clears throat> when you look at some of the some of the things that they don't do so well, if you're on you know if you're on Ken Palm or whatever, if you have a, if you have a subscription, great. Uh, it's it's a subscription that I think everybody should have if you're a college basketball fan. Um, they were one of the worst teams in the country this year, essentially in the uh, the percentage of field goals made against them that were assisted on. Like they were ninth ninth worst in the country in that metric, mean, meaning that. That teams rack up a lot of assists on Wright State because of the way the style that they play uh, of defense, which plays right into Arizona's hands. Right, I mean they're the leading assist team in the country. They average twenty assists per game. We, you know we're well familiar with with what, you know, the style of offense that Arizona plays and how good they are and the things that they do well. So Arizona has not defended the three extremely well this year. Wright State does not shoot the three. Arizona is one of the leading, if not the leading, assist per you know field goal made team in the entire country. Wright State is one of the worst at defending against assists and field goals made. This is a a match that is kind of made for Arizona, right? I mean, this is this is a situation where Arizona gets to play against a team that doesn't do the things well enough that Arizona 
either exploits on offense or maybe has a small deficiency of defensively. So this is a good thing for Arizona. Now, this Wright State team, though, they pose they pose issues because they they score when the clock is stopped, which is always a difficult thing. I mean, they were I think they were well, certainly the the, the you know the uh, Holden, the, you know their their lead player was the number one player in the country in free throws, three throws made per game, and I think he was like second in free throws attempted per game. So that's going to pose a problem because even though you play great defense while the clock is running, you can't play any defense when they're standing at the free throw line, and there you're going to give up points in possessions. That's where Wright State is going to get you. They're going to stay in games because they are able to, you know, get you to play defense and then score on you at the free throw line because – like they, they're not big, they're not you know overly skilled. They're not going to shoot over the top of a zone defense, that kind of stuff. And maybe Arizona does play a little more zone in this particular matchup to try to limit some of the foul issues uh, that uh, that present itself. You've got a great rim protector in Christian Coloco. Why not play a zone and just have him lurking there, waiting? If you know if Christian can play good, solid rim protection defense without fouling, which has been an issue for him in certain games and certain times throughout the season then Arizona has a great chance of just blowing out. I mean, making this a game, a non-contention uh, at halftime even. you know. So that, I think, is, is what's going to play in Arizona's hand. I'm not worried about this game, to be honest with you. I respect Wright State as an opponent, and so should Arizona. But this is not a game that Arizona fans should be worried about. Next game, sure, now it's time to start you know, thinking about, okay, how is this team going to beat us? Is it TCU? Is it Seton Hall? What do they do well? You know, these are, you know, major conference programs uh, that Arizona's going to be playing against. Now, the question <clears throat> on most people's minds, and there was a lot of video yesterday being shared amongst the, uh, the Twitter uh, world and stuff, is the, the, you know, the, the condition of Kirk Kreese's ankle. Now, they showed him yesterday warming up. He was taking some jump shots. He went four of five from the three-point line, taking some jump shots, being fed by Ricardo Foyce, the assistant coach there. And he wasn't noticeably limping on the ankle. Tommy Lloyd says it's going to be a game-time decision. That's Tommy Lloyd being, you know, a gamesman and not trying to give away too much. He's just trying to be responsible as a head coach by, you know, not giving it away right away. I don't think Kerr is going to play today. I don't think he needs to play. I don't think he should play today. But, again, it's not my decision. But I will say this. And I was having this conversation with some some friends that I was watching early games with yesterday. We kind of met up and uh, watched some of the early games and such. You know, Sean Miller would talk about how Justin Kukoski was one of the most important pieces of his program. And previous head coaches at Arizona said the same thing about Justin Kukoski and how important he was to this program. He was there at the end of the Lute Olsen era, and he's been there ever since. And he is a an integral part of this program because, you know, in coach speak, the best ability is availability, right? You can't play a player that's not available to play. And Justin Kukoski is the best in the business at getting guys ready to play, getting guys to be available. Sean would say all the time how it, it, he doesn't know how Justin does it, how J-Rock is able to get these kids ready, these young men ready to play after they've had a, a, a what seemed to be a pretty serious injury the day before, the two days before, whatever. But nonetheless, they get back on the court and they're effective right away. Justin has a, a particular kind of magic about him. He's a tireless worker. 
you know, I mean, people can call it what it is. Uh, you know, he's a wizard and all this other stuff. Justin Kokoski is a tireless worker, and he expects that of his players. And I think that's going to be the, the major difference here and why Kerr could possibly go if he needed to. If Arizona needed him, I don't think they're going to need him, which means that they're going to possibly leave that door open for a Sunday appearance by Kerr Kreese if they happen to need him. So um, that's where we're at. I don't think that he will play today. I think Arizona will be fine without him. But moving forward, they're going to need him if they want to win a championship, and they need him at his best, which is why I think they should rest him another day. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, a quick preview of uh, some of the day's biggest games, and then we'll put a big bright red shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, I'm wondering how all those brackets on the Tucson Appliance Company March Brackets Contest are doing. Hopefully you got yours in before 9 a.m. yesterday. If you didn't, though, there's still opportunities to win. Just uh, go to the website, go to ESPNTucson.com and figure out how you may be able to get in uh, on the action in the Sweet 16 and maybe try to win a different kind of prize. But uh, go to ESPNTucson.com for all the details. It's Tucson Appliance Company, March Brackets, alongside our friends Corona. All right, the featured games today in the NCAA tournament right here that you can hear on ESPN Tucson, your home for March Madness. The uh, first game, obviously, as I mentioned before, Loyola Chicago taking on Ohio State, that game tipping off at 9-15. Then following that, the featured game will be Miami-USC, another 10-7 matchup as the Trojans from the Pac-12 try to uh, stave off Miami. Miami's one of those teams, I've seen Miami, uh, I think they beat Duke earlier this year. And then they lose to Florida State by 50. I'm not kidding. Like, I've seen this team. There was a game earlier this year I was watching, and I think they were down, I think it was North Carolina. I think they were down 41-12 to 12 at halftime. Like, it, it, they are the most volatile team in either direction <laughs> that I've seen. So uh, Miami-USC could be interesting because USC plays down to their competition, but they play level-headed. They play even across the board almost all the time. Then the, uh, then the evening games will begin at 3.50 uh, Tucson time. Chattanooga, the mocks, going to be taking on Illinois. That should be a, uh, an interesting game there. Two very contrasting styles. Um, and then uh, the feature game number four in our slate today, it's the other 10-7 matchup, Davidson with Bob McKillop taking on Tom Izzo and Sparty. That is going. That's two legendary basketball coaches in their, you know, in their respective realms. That could be a really good one. That one is going to tip off at 640. And, of course, we'll have uh, pop-in coverage of other games throughout the day as well. If you're looking for tomorrow's slate starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, or I'm sorry, 9 a.m. Tucson time, or is this, yeah, this is 9 a.m. Really, that game starts at 9 a.m.? The North Carolina-Baylor game. Holy smokes, that's an early one. So North Carolina-Baylor, that should be a good one. That game is going to be featured right here on ESPN Tucson. Followed by the Creighton Kansas matchup, so we got two number ones right off the bat. Then the Richmond Providence game will be game number three. That game's going to be at three o'clock Eastern, and then we're going to round out the evening with the Memphis Gonzaga game. That game at about six forty on Saturday. So, full slate of games right here featured on ESPN Tucson and Westwood One should be good. Looking forward to it, and uh, 
you know, go Cats. Should be a, a win today. Let's hope that for that. Let's hope for no uh, no big upsets in that aspect. Let's hope for some upsets out elsewhere, though, like Cal State Fullerton. Let's go Fullerton. Taking on Duke today. That is going to wrap up today's edition and this week's editions of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for pushing all the right buttons and keeping me on the air. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show every weekday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. Usually I will see you guys on Monday. We'll have a full report of the weekend's madness. Enjoy your games, and we'll see you on Monday. Stay tuned right here to 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.